As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. This is Wednesday, and tonight I'm here with Denise, Paul, and Joel, and we've all been sitting here talking about things that we wished we had said in earlier home groups this week. So I want to say something right from the start. On Monday night, we talked about monsters. And I said that something which to me is monstrous, that maybe Jesus could be referring to, is this new epidemic today of people that have covered their bodies with tattoos. It's something that we didn't see 30 years ago or 40 years ago. It's just amazing. People are just so covered with tattoos. I talked about body piercings and people that are now transforming themselves to look like living lizards. There's a guy called the Parrot Man. It is just atrocious. There are people that are trying to look like tigers and cats. It's just monstrous what they're doing to themselves. And you know what? There was a time when that was pretty unusual, but today people are really trying to alter their bodies. They're messing with their bodies or they're going through gender surgeries to turn themselves into something that they were not born to be. And it's very possible that Jesus was referring to that when he said that there would be fearful sights, the Greek word for monsters. Now, here's what I wish I had said, and I'm going to say it tonight. If you have a tattoo, or if you have a child that's covered with tattoos, or somebody you love that's covered with body piercings, or somebody that's already altered their gender, there's hope for everybody. First of all, if you have a tattoo, there's no condemnation for having a tattoo. Of course not. Of course not. If you're covered with body piercings, that is your personal choice. I'm just telling you that 30 years ago and 40 years ago, that did not exist. And if we transported people from even 50 years ago into the present, it would be pretty shocking to see what people have done to themselves. That is just a fact. If you know somebody that's been through a gender reassignment surgery, it's interesting, that's what it's called now. It's a sex change operation. Today it's called gender reassignment. They can still give their heart to Jesus. They can be redeemed. They may not be able to fix what they did, but they can still give their heart to Jesus. There is hope for anybody. So no judgment, no condemnation. By the way, the renters don't really feel judgment or condemnation for people. We just want to help people. And Paul, you said something that you also wanted to say. Yesterday, we went a little bit longer, and when we were talking about persecution, Luke chapter 21, Matthew chapter 24 talks about persecution, how persecution will be assigned, that we're at the end of the age. And we talked a lot about legal persecution or uh, entrapment. entrapment that is unfortunately now almost commonplace in America. But there are other forms of persecution which are much more serious, and it helps us to remember that we have other brothers and sisters in Christ that are in prison, that have been relocated as fugitives, or who have family relatives that have died for their faith. It helps us to think about them. First of all, we should be praying for them. But it also helps us to put our own entrapment situations into perspective. Can I say something first yes. of all? We have a lot of friends right here where we live who spent time in prison, Yes. whose parents and grandparents spent years in prison. Andre Chabotra, one of our board members that's walked with us for 30 years, his grandfather spent 10 years in prison simply because a neighbor reported that he owned a Bible. 
He went to jail for 10 years because he owned a Bible. Mm -hmm. So when you live in an environment where people have suffered for their faith, you're more aware of this. Bishops are gay. Bishops His father. are gay. Actually, it's my closest spiritual leader friend in the former Soviet Union. His father was in jail three, three times. times. I accumulated, I think, nearly 26, 27 years he spent mm -hmm. in prison for his faith. Okay. So we live here and now, and now Bishop Sergei is in such a prominent position. That's right. It's amazing. The Communist Party tried to, you know, just, just ruin their family. But God has, he knows the end of the story. Well, actually today, he is God's spokesman to the Russian government. It's amazing. He, he, every notable person you've ever seen on television or in the news, they're all his friends. And he speaks to the president personally. In fact, it wasn't so long ago he was in a meeting. The president came up and tapped and him the, on the shoulder. Somebody tapped him on the back. He turned around. It was President Putin said, hey, Sergey. I mean, he really has a voice. And his daddy, I think, spent 26 years in prison for his faith. God has a way of turning things around. But his daddy never gave up. They never gave up. They just found a way to practice their faith. And they came out on top. And every time today when someone says, I don't know if we'll make it, it looks like looks like the church is not going to make it. Sergei kind of looks at him and said, "Are you serious? Quit saying such stupid things. The <laughs> church is going to make it. We've been through worse. Come on, the Lord is bigger than that." I mean, he's real lighthearted about it. When someone says, "I don't know if we're going to make it," he says, "Come on, get serious. We're going to make it." <laughs> it's just real, real simple to him. So a few years ago. In the, probably in the height of the Syrian conflict, we had... The Syrian a, conflict. Syrian conflict. What did I say? Syrian. This, in the height of the Syrian conflict, uh, we had a few church leaders visit us here in Moscow and in St. Petersburg. From Syria. From Syria. And it was very... Um, Heart-wrenching. Yeah, it, it just... It, you, you, you don't even know how to how to properly respond to the stories that you hear. And this, this story is, is relevant even to people in the United States. So for the longest time, people in Syria uh, experienced uh, a pretty peaceful situation. And Christ there's a pretty big Christian community in Syria. Christian families living in one house, one apartment, Muslim family living in another apartment, their kids go to the same school, more or less, side by side, peacefully. Until the Syrian conflict comes to a height and the Muslim families became radicalized. And when it came time to look for Christians and persecute, imprison, and kill Christians, it wasn't someone from far off that came for your son or for your husband. It was your neighbor. It was your neighbor's children that were radicalized that came to get their classmate, their friend, Play, their, the father of their class, class, classmate. Playmates. Their playmates. These were people that knew each other. So the, when you begin to hear these stories about how your neighbor was the one that killed your son, it changes it entirely and it, and it brings the idea of persecution from somewhere far far off to, to something that could happen 
not just in Syria between Christians and Muslims, but could happen almost anywhere. And that story, that same story, um, this pastor who was speaking, he said that there was this one family and they came in to, you know, to persecute this Christian family and, um, and they had the mother and they they put the mother aside and they took her teenage son and they began to beat him and beat him and beat him and until they beat him to death and they made the, the made they made the mother watch and the mother of course she was crying of course it's horrible but her comment was i'm so proud of my son that he stood up for christ and she saw something besides her son being beaten. She saw his reward. And you know what else that bishop said, who was telling us all these stories? He said the verse in Peter which says, if you're persecuted, rejoice because the spirit of glory rests upon you. Mm -hmm. He said, we literally saw the spirit of glory come on our people as they were being beheaded mm -hmm. and beaten. He said, we saw that verse in reality. Paul, would you continue? Yes. And the church started growing in Syria. The church has actually started growing. So we should be conscious of those Christians that are being relocated, losing opportunities, being persecuted, and even dying for their faith, and we should, we should definitely pray for them. But that, put things, that puts things in perspective because so many of us still experience so much freedom that we don't even know how free we are to express our faith. Well, Lord, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for that. We pray that it be protected. And we pray, Father, that you give us wisdom to navigate through these interesting times we're living in. We pray for the church and other parts of the world that does not know freedom. And we pray for the glory of God to rest upon them and empower them as you have always done for your people. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And we pray for people, Lord, that may have already altered their bodies or done something they regret that they did. Lord, I pray they do not live in a state of regret because that doesn't help anybody. But Lord, help them to use their bodies as a pulpit to preach to somebody else. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to continue. We're in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus has been talking about the signs we're going to see just before he comes. And I want you to have the free download, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. It's 10 parts. It is huge. <laughs> Please download this. It is amazing. And we prepared it for you. Joe, I work really hard on these. Oh, yes. But that's not the only one we have. We have around 70. And I think it's just amazing, you know, that you were saying that um, you used to have quarterlies, is that the word? Yeah, when we were kids. So, and, and I think these are like our kind of quarterlies. And there are a lot of them on different kind of subjects. And you can go through them and study the Bible, see what the Greek actually said, and really just internalize what the scriptures mean for you. Not only for you, but your friends. You can do this with your friends. You can buy many or get them that one for free for many of your friends. And you can study the Bible together. It's really a wonderful step-by-step -step tool how to study a specific subject. You know, today well, is signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. And when we started doing these, I went online to see 
how many TV ministries provide full study guides for every series taught on television. Guess what? I couldn't find one. I don't know any TV ministry that does this except us. And honestly, some people might say, oh, you don't need to do that. I want to do that because we want to set the table for you. We want to make the ingestion of God's Word into your life so easy. And we've provided these study guides to help you. We believe it's part of our assignment. So get yours. It's free. All you have to do is go to our website, runner.org, and order the whole series, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. Order the accompanying book, which I've been reading from a little bit this week, and tonight I'm going to read from it as well. This book is amazing. It is amazing, and it is so accurate. Mm -hmm. Jesus just hit it right on the bullseye when he described all the things we would see just before he comes. And then, of course, we're also offering my book, Last Day's Survival Guide. If you don't have this, please do. This is a practical book about grabbing your boots and your Bible to march through this season in power. You can do it. But tonight, we're going to continue to look at the next sign that Jesus gave us. Are you guys ready? Ready. All right. Going to be reading from my book tonight. So far, we've seen several signs Jesus enumerated in Matthew 24. So far, we've seen worldwide deception, deception in the church, wars, the threat of war, terrorism, racial and religious conflicts, uncivil politics, famine, hunger, manifold scarcities, diseases, plagues, earthquakes, fearful sights, signs in the sky, persecution, prosecution, and even killing of Christians. Wow. That's a big list. That's a big list, and it's not all. Home group, we're so glad you've joined us for all these programs. If it's been a blessing to you, please let us know. Just go online, give us your comments. I'll read them tomorrow morning when I wake up. But then in Matthew 24, 11, Jesus gives us another sign that we're approaching the very end of the age. Listen to what he says, Matthew 24, 11. Many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. The word many appears twice. And Jesus is speaking futuristically in this verse. There were false prophets at that time, but he said, shall. He was pointing to the end of the age, answering a question. How will we know we're coming to the conclusion of the age? So that's what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus says, at the end of the age, there shall arise many false prophets. The word many is the Greek word poloi. Say amen. 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 You say, what does poloi mean? I'm going to tell you. What amen to? The poloi. word poloi, poloi. <laughs> means multitudes. Multitudes of false prophets that will arise to deceive many. That's what the verse says, which again is the word poloi. So there's going to be poloi false prophets who will deceive poloi, multitudes of false prophets, who will deceive multitudes of people at the end of the age. There's no mitigating the word poloi. There's no other interpretation for this word. He was forecasting a deception that will affect huge numbers of people toward the end of the age. Well, what does false prophets mean? Well, it is a Greek word, pseudo-prophetes. It's a compound of two words, the word pseudo and the word prophetes. The word pseudo means false. You hear people talk about pseudo things all the time. It's fake, it's false, it's bogus. And the word prophetes, which is the Greek word for a prophet, compounded into new one, one word. The new word is pseudo-prophetes, and it refers to, you guys listening, a pseudo-prophet, 
a false prophet, one who claims divine inspiration, but who is not sent by God. Now hold on, because there's more to this. He or she asserts to speak by God-given revelation, but in fact that person is pseudo, or they are false. Now listen, listen to this, I want you guys to comment on this. In actuality, this false one may be speaking from a bona fide spiritual source, but it is a source other than God. Even in the first century when Jesus was speaking, the word prophet was used to describe false prophets, real prophets. It was anybody who claimed to speak by a supernatural source. So this false one really might be speaking from a bona fide spiritual source, but it's a source other than God. Perhaps the false prophet is simply lying. In order to form a religious following, some of these men and women are deceived themselves and therefore deceive others who are under their influence. Others are intentionally deceptive with their insertions, but regardless of the motive or the source, these individuals are false and deceptive, and Jesus said there would be poloi, a multitude of these that would arise in the very last days. Well, what does the word arise mean? Hmm. The word arise in Matthew 24, 11 tells of a phenomenon when false religion will arise in the world in a notable way. False religions and cults have multiplied rapidly in these last times, each one presenting its own version of truth. And Jesus said many, many, many polloi multitudes of these would appear on the scene at the very end of the age. Now listen to this. As I research the list of false religions and cults that currently exist, it is just ridiculous. I found that it was far too long to include the full list in anything I taught or wrote. In fact, to deal at length with the subject of false religions and cults would be the theme of an entire book. And the truth is, there are multitudes, everybody say multitudes, multitudes. of individuals and religious organizations that claim to be divinely authorized and inspired, but they are false because... They do not represent the truth of the Bible. Some of them might even preach and adhere to some Bible truth. But the core doctrinal beliefs of the Bible, like salvation through Christ alone, his death and resurrection, and the present day position and ministry of Jesus are tainted and they are erroneous. And unfortunately, because people haven't been taught the Bible they're not able to discern what is truth and what is error. And many, many people buy into these false groups. Here's just a few examples. Baha'i, New Age religions, Buddhism, Scientology, Hinduism, Unitarianism, Christian science, Islam, oh, Edgar Cayce organizations. Unbelievable, that thing's still going. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, the Unification Church, or Eastern cults like Hare Krishna. Now, each of these religious movements had an originator or a founder who claimed some kind of special divine visitation. Often they said it was in a dream, a vision, it was a visitation of an angel or some other supernatural means. 
but they received some kind of divine revelation that is a diversion from the central core beliefs of the Bible or that alters the meaning of the Bible. That's the way it always takes place. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, sincere people looking for truth often bump into these groups. Now, when I was a college student at the University of Oklahoma, it was quite a wake-up call to me about false religions because I grew up in Sand Springs. The only thing false I knew about in Sand Springs were Jehovah's Witnesses. They're knocking on our doors all the time trying to get in our house. I remember one time there was a knock on my door and a man said he wanted to sell a vacuum sweeper. <laughs> I had him in the house. He was not selling vacuum sweepers. He was a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I'm laughing because my daddy did really sell vacuum cleaners for 58 years, so I'm laughing about that. <laughs> oh, but that was quite an event. He tried to give me their, bi their version of the Bible. I told him I didn't need it. I had my own Bible. But, I mean, I really didn't have any experience with cults. Then I went to the university, and the first week I was on the university campus, I heard this clinging, 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 sounded like cymbals. And I looked, and there was a group of young college students with their heads shaved, mm -hmm. dressed in orange robes, orange, dancing down the middle thoroughfare of the university green. And these were Harry Krishnas. And I looked at them and thought, what in the world are those kids doing? Their parents didn't send them to college for this. But you know what? Unfortunately, a lot of nonsense and bizarre things happen when kids get to college. Even today, you guys, one of the most dangerous places you can send your child is to a university. In the university today, there's false religions, alternative religions, and then there is the staff at the university that is liberal and progressive, and people who come to universities in faith leave not believing. It's one of the best ways to make sure your child never comes back to church. Send them to the university. But yet we're not against education. No. But you've got to be really careful where you send your kids. Yes. We were in, uh, in Europe a few years ago walking through uh, Zurich in Switzerland, Beautiful day, having a lot of fun, family road trip. And the closer we get to our car, which is in the parking lot, we begin to hear these strange noises, really, really strange noises. And then we begin to feel these sm strange smells. And we finally get to the city square, and there, I think they were Buddhists, a group of Buddhists were actually burning this huge doll right in the middle of a city square, a bonfire, right there on the cobblestone on one of the bridges in Zurich. And as we're walking, I think, really? Like, right here? Burning this doll fire? It was strange. Well, here's, here's something. You know, we can talk about the Moonies. We can talk about the Mormons. And, you know, Mormons are good people. We see Mormons all the time in Russia. They're always dressed so nice. But their Bible is different from the Bible. And their terminology, you might sound like the same, but they mean different things. I have nothing against Mormons. I don't have anything against any of these people. But it is a variant form of Christianity or just a deviant form of Christianity. It does not agree with the core teachings of the Bible. 
they're false. And actually, the example of Mormonism is great. Joseph Smith, the founder, claimed to have an experience with an angel. Well, that already should be a signal that something's wrong. Because when you study the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us very clearly not to trust angelic revelations. If somebody shows up as an angel bringing a revelation, it's already suspect. If you know the Bible, you know what to believe and what not to believe. But, you know, you can talk about Moonies. Denise and I had lots of experiences with him at the university. There was another group called the Children of God. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But hey, let's get beyond those real blatant ones. Today, there's all kinds of twists and turns in the religious realm. Listen to this. The New Age movement, and you know what? 20 years ago when you talked about the New Age movement, you thought that was psychics and clairvoyance, and it is, but now it has really broadened. It is a conglomeration of all kinds of religions and spiritual influences filled literally with thousands of revelators, psychics, and mediums who claim to have tapped into some new stream of divine energy. You hear that term all the time. It is a fact that multitudes, literally millions and millions of people have been led into some form of this great deception. And all you have to do is go to the religion section in your major bookstores across the nation and it is quite stunning to see what weird blends of religion are mixed into the sections filled with Christian books. They're just side by side. Spiritual section, I think it's called. Yeah, now it's called, it's not called Christian, it's called spiritual. Yeah. It's just all side by side. It is like a plethora of deception. And because people haven't been taught the Bible, they don't know what's right. They don't know what's wrong. Listen to this. There has never been a more important time in history for Christian believers to read, study, and meditate on the Bible. The way to circumvent spiritual deception is by knowing, understanding, and being rooted in God's Word. One key to ensuring rock-solid stability in an increasingly unstable world is by cultivating a heart before God. He's looking for hearts that yearn for truth, spiritual reality as he sees it, and that are willing to embrace and submit to his word as the absolute truth. If it does not agree with the Bible, then you do not need it. It is poisonous. Amen. But Jesus said at the end of the age, there's going to be an eruption of this all over the world. Denise? I just wanted to add to what Rick said at the beginning of the home group that we don't condemn or judge people that have <clears throat> had the sex change or covered with tattoos or body piercings. <clears throat> but what came to my heart was that you're listening and maybe you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild and your heart is actually broken because of what your loved one has done. And I just wanted to encourage you. Jesus came to save the soul. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good if our bodies look normal. That's, that's really good. But it's the spirit of man 
that's going to go and be an eternity. Amen, Denise. And I just wanted to encourage you. You keep praying. You keep believing the promises that God has given you about that child or about that grandchild. You hold on to those promises that God has given you about that child. And don't you let them go. Amen, Denise. And we didn't mean to bring any kind of pain to your heart by speaking these things. We love you. And Denise, that was a good word. Thank you, sweetheart. Father, we pray for wisdom for every member of our home group because everybody has family members and friends that are doing different things we may not all understand. Lord, we know everybody wants to do right. Everybody doesn't know how to do right. Everybody hasn't been afforded the teaching of the Bible to know what's right or what's wrong. There's so much confusion in this time. We pray for clarity. Yes. We pray for power, for boldness to speak when words need to be spoken. Yes. We pray that people will know when they should not speak. Yes. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're done for tonight, but we're going to come back tomorrow night. Jesus gave us the next sign was that at the end of the age, the love of many would mm. cold. wax cold. Mm. What does that mean? Going to find out tomorrow night. Sleep well. Bye bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.